Hi there, this is Alvin, and welcome to the Kickstart Commerce Podcast, where we share search marketing and domain investing strategies to help grow your business. In today's episode, our guest is Mark Smith, a newly minted handshake domain investor and advocate and the founder of Namesake.Domains, a consultancy aimed at helping brands adopt and develop their handshake domain. Today, Mark and I discuss how launching fitness and SaaS companies led him to discover domain investing and then handshake domains. Mark and I also discuss the ins and outs of handshake domain investing and development, as well as common handshake domain use cases, including how Mark became the handshake domain registry of .gen. Mark also shares insight in regards to the feasibility and interoperability of handshake and legacy domain ecosystems reimagining the future of Web 3.0. And finally, we discuss the nitty gritty details in getting started with the buying, selling and auctioning of handshake domain. And so with that, Mark, welcome and thank you for making time to join us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Elvin. Yes, certainly, man. So to kick things off, Mark, let's briefly share at a high level with our listeners a bit about yourself, who you are, your personal and professional background. Yeah. So my uh, professional background is I've been in sales and service in uh, state government, uh, financial industry and insurance for about the last 10 years. Um, I've been kind of a hobbyist domainer for a few years and uh, was keeping track of cryptocurrency for uh, a few years after 2017. And about a year ago, I stumbled on Handshake, uh, got really invested and interested in the space and have been uh, really active and, and involved in building that out ever since. That is awesome. So wait, what do you mean by like you're a domain hobbyist? Like how did you get introduced to domains? Well, it's kind of a funny story. I initially um, was interested in personal training. Um, fitness has been, you know, a personal hobby and, and interest of mine, uh, pretty much my entire life. And uh, I knew that I, I wanted to have some kind of entrepreneurial endeavor in my life in general, and that seemed like a natural um, fit initially. Mm -hmm. And so when I was diving into that, it was obviously one of the first steps of starting a business is looking for a domain name. And this was around 2014 when. A lot of the new top level domains were coming out and I discovered dot fitness and it was really striking to me because at that point, like a lot of people, I was only familiar with, I uh, mean, like dot com, dot net and so on. Also with so many names being taken already, um, I was able to find one under a dot fitness. And as I was sharing that out with some of my friends and family, I got a lot of positive feedback about it. They were also intrigued by the the minimal, minimalism of it, um, you know, having like the brand dot industry format for the domain. Um, and from there, I, I started seeing that, you know, there was thousands of other uh, domains available or top level uh, domains. And I saw that there was a lot of brands that that didn't have their extensions. Um, so I started looking for ways to build a business on that, recognizing that it was probably a lot more scalable than uh, a fitness consultation business or service. And so I uh, started developing values.feedback in order to issue subdomains on like a WordPress multi-site like um, target.values.feedback. And uh, just as I was about to launch that, COVID hit. And uh, <laughs> at almost the exact same time, uh, I discovered Handshake where I could literally be a registry um, and issue left of the dot uh, and also acquire a lot more names right of the dot. And from there, I, I've been accumulating those and, and uh, developing them since then. 
That's crazy. So you stumble up on Dot Fitness, and then essentially, I mean, I guess to say the least, you you become like a TLD or a top level domain consultant, somewhat, and then that just kind of led that just kind of led you into the land of, I guess, uh, crypto and hand and uh, handshake. Yeah, actually, I bought my first Satoshis on Valentine's the last year when I had gotten back from vacation. I discovered a handshake while on vacation and I wasn't in a place where I could verify with my phone number. So I was a couple days late. Today is actually the anniversary, the one year anniversary of the first name that was made available for auction on Namebase, which is really exciting. So then a, a few days later, on the 14th of February last year, bought that, got my first handshake uh, and have you know been exploring the larger crypto space since then. But handshake remains my primary focus because I, I think that domains in general are a very unique asset and having that combined with a cryptocurrency or putting that utility on a blockchain is just absolutely like mind blowing to me. Um, it, the It's kind of a, a perfect fit really and it's it's also interesting because we've seen both of these things play out before. We've seen the the dot com land rush. We've seen the the growth of Bitcoin, which Handshake is a fork of. And so to have both of these combined into a single ecosystem, um, along with that historical perspective, I, I think makes for a really interesting opportunity. And so you get interested into to handshake domains and, and all within the less of the year. Now, you have a, a company, Namesake Domains or Namesake.domains. And so, like, tell us a little bit of what, I mean, how did that get started? Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, I, I got into Handshake in the, the first week of the auction, which was uh, February of 2020. And I spent a lot of time kind of lurking in the Discord community. Um, actually, I didn't even join that until several months later. I, I was mostly just you know, prospecting different names. Uh, being that I was interested in the general top level domain space, I, I was very familiar with what existed, but I was also familiar with what didn't exist. And obviously, if you look through the, the names that are currently available within the ICANN space, you'll start to pick up trends. For instance, there's a dot wine, a dot vodka, dot beer, but there wasn't you know, specific spirits like a dot gin. And so I, I was lucky enough to win the auction for that over the summer. And I realized that if I, if I really wanted to have a successful registry and to be able to make something of these domains, I needed to put together a good brand. And so again, being that a lot of the initial names that I wanted were, were taken for .coms and otherwise, and also because the entire premise of Handshake is having these new top level domains, uh, namesake.domains seemed like a perfect fit for me. And so I, I acquired that name and started building a site on it and have been slowly putting out content to help other people understand Handshake and promote some of the domains that I've acquired since then. That is awesome. So, I mean, you you pretty much have become a self-study then uh, in terms of Handshake domains and just decentralized domains in general. Yeah, it's um, I mean, I had the advantage of, you know, doing a lot of thinking and researching uh, in the legacy domain space prior to that, or at least for a few years, you know, kind of learning how DNS works in general. Uh, and again, researching the, the space, what names were popular and why for the new top level domains. So uh, I, I felt like a, a fish in water, really, when when I started <laughs> getting the, the hang of, uh, of Handshake. 
but yeah, it, it's, de it's definitely been a learning curve. Thankfully, now there's a lot more um, people involved in the space. There's some really exciting developments that are making it more accessible for other people with, you know, like resolvers like Puma browser on Android and, uh, and iOS to be able to access these and Namebase releasing things like D-Links, which is like a decentralized link tree. So you can immediately use these names without any real technical knowledge. Um, so that that's been really exciting to watch um, watch grow. But yeah, it was definitely a self study for a, a long time. And what's interesting is now you would not consider yourself really a technical person in terms of being like a software engineer, a developer, or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did have like a small amount of HTML and other experience with like MySpace. I grew up with that. And so I think that that also kind of got me interested in that. But I definitely don't have any extensive or formal development education or experience. Uh, mostly I, I like domains because of the opportunity that they give you to really leverage your unique perspective and how you interpret context of words. Like different words mean different things to different people, depending on where you are or what your your background is. And a handshake really magnifies that. I mean, that, that already existed within domains in general, but with handshake now you can have top level domains in other languages. And so we're seeing a rise in, you know, Korean, Russian, Mandarin, et cetera, with CUNY code top level domains. And, and it's like, I don't speak any of those languages. And so people, from more diverse backgrounds, I think really have an exceptional advantage here. So then in terms of some of our listeners that, you know, have tuned in and they're like, I'm 10 minutes into this thing and I still don't know if these brothers are talking about handshaking with their hands or dapping or what, <laughs> what's going on. So let's take a, a quick step back now. In terms of handshake, like, let's explain or have you explain the difference in handshake domain versus I guess the legacy domain as what we know today. So let's take for instance, there is a dot Alvin Brown that's in handshake and there's also a alvinbrown.com. Like what is the difference in terms of the infrastructure? What's different about where we are with the legacy system versus where handshake will likely take us? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So the current internet as we know it is essentially controlled by a very small set of, of organizations. Um, and in terms of the, the root zone where ownership of things like .com uh, happens, it's uh, really regulated and controlled by a single organization, um, which is ICANN. And that's been necessary for a long time, like with just the, the tools that we had available and how the internet grew, it was necessary to have kind of a single point of control to really make sure that there was order and things didn't break down or, or descend into chaos. However, that has started causing some problems, for instance, with, with certificate authorities that maintain the security of the internet. When you put all of your eggs in one basket, so to speak, if something breaks, it has really far-reaching implications. Mm. Um, and, and so recognizing this, a group of developers designed Handshake to help distribute the ownership of, of the underlying infrastructure of the internet itself to actual internet users. And so instead of having a single company like VeriSign that owns and, and several other top-level domains, and having a single regulatory body, the uh, regulation is basically code. So it's a it's an algorithm or a, a protocol that uh, determines how how names are issued. In this case, uh, in auction that. Uh, anybody can bid on a top-level domain over the course of five days in a public auction to make it fair. 
um, all of the names were released from February of 2020 to February of 2021. So they weren't just all available all at once. And, you know, somebody could go in and just take all of them. So that helped to ensure that there was a much greater distribution of the top level domains. And instead of paying a fee of $185,000 for an application um, that ICANN requires to have a top level domain during the periods that they're even accepting those, which they haven't for some years, and then subsequently paying an additional, I believe it's $25,000 annually altogether for maintaining that, you could potentially win an auction for free if nobody else bids against you and have a top level domain, uh, in this case, like Brown. Um, they're able to work with and own it outright for free. So I would say that the handshake is to domains what Bitcoin has been to money. It's essentially doing the same thing uh, with disintermediating the centralized control over those just in a, in a different context, in, in this case, domains. That is excellent because, you know, when I think about just the the overall use case, and obviously I'm just getting introduced into it as well, but it, it it's almost as if I look and I say, I'm like, man, there, whatever you can do with the legacy domain, to a certain extent, you can do the same thing with the handshake domain. While I will caveat that to say that things are still developing, because I even think what this week we just saw, and I think you retweeted it or posted it on Twitter that uh, there was a, the first handshake email that was sent this week. Yeah, that, that was a really exciting development. I know there's been some debate as to whether or not that was officially the, the first one, but that's the first proof that I've seen in terms of a screenshot that was shared out. And I um, shared that and it was, I, I think, the most engagement I've ever had on a tweet, which was awesome. <laughs> but and, and rightfully so. Uh, Neil, um, one of our community members, shared that out. And, and that's a, a monumentous milestone for us to hit is the first email, because for, for a while I was using the analogy of, you know, if, if you have some doubts about the utility of Handshake, look at what Michael Saylor did with domains when he was first getting started. Like he, he was talking with Andrew Rosner about, um, you know, when he was buying names, you could only email with them. You couldn't set up a, a website yet. And, right. and so he was buying names based on that context and maybe, you know, thinking down the road, you, you could have a, a page. And ours was the exact opposite. You could set up a page almost immediately, including integrating with WordPress, uh, but you couldn't send an email. And, and so, again, we've seen this story play out before. History doesn't repeat itself, but it, but it often rhymes. So I, I had also been buying names, assuming that, that email would become a thing eventually. I didn't think it would be this fast, but it's been really encouraging to, to see the developments happening a lot faster than, than anticipated. And uh, I'm looking forward to the, the first official email service for, for that as well. Now let let's juxtapose the the legacy domains versus the handshake domains. Now, in terms of uh, one, obviously, with legacy, yes, you can go and become a registry, but like you said, that's gonna that's gonna cost you an application fee of one hundred eighty five thousand dollars at minimum. That doesn't even get us into if someone else also has interest and we get into auction and that's just a whole different, you know, sort of thing. So yeah, you can go out and be a registry, but you have to be ICANN accredited. Got it. But then if you come to the consumer side in terms of whether you're a domain hobbyist or a domain investor or just an end user, obviously there is the ability to register a domain name, whether it's .com or any any other TLD. But the the reality is with what with what we've been built on on the current infrastructure, you really don't own that name you're only leasing that name on a given year. And there are some, in some cases you can be 
uh, that name can be taken away from you. How is that different with Handshake? It's an excellent question. I would also like to touch on something you said initially about the ICANN accreditation. You're right in that, you know, paying the the $185,000 really just kind of opens the door to possibility. But uh, an interesting case on, on that and the value of top-level domains is Amazon, which has been fighting half of South America in court for about the last decade for .amazon over who controls the context. And I think that that's important to note because when you own a top level domain, that's kind of the the maximum amount of ownership of a context of a word or symbol on the internet. If you think about how much of our life, um, especially post COVID is transitioning to the online world, that that's really the primary space now. And so if you own a word there, it's like owning the word itself. It's almost like Plato's forms, right? And, and so they still don't have .amazon. I think they're supposed to settle in, in court soon, but that's taken you know one of the most powerful companies in the world within the, the ICANN space, again, nearly a decade against several countries to get that done. And so in, in that case, they would own that name unless, of course, uh, ICANN you know, stepped in and possibly regulated that. But you're right, when you own a .com, which is especially in with the increase in deplatforming on social media sites where you really don't own your profile. So if you, you know, you get kicked off one of those, the thought has been, well, you, you know, you, if you, as long as you have your, your .com, you're still good. You own that, but you don't really, um, as you mentioned, you know, the registry in this case, VeriSign for .com or the registrar like uh, GoDaddy or 101 domain or something like that can still cut off service to your your name, they're cooperating with uh, authorities or in some cases, even if they just don't like what you're doing with the site. I myself have had some of my pre-registrations, like when .new is being released by Google, uh, I tried pre-registering what's .new just because I thought it was a fun name. I, I again, like to uh, kind of putting phrases and words together. And that ended up getting denied, even though I was the first one that found it uh, because Google apparently wanted to use that. If you go to what's .new now, that, that's their homepage for the .new extension, which it's flattering, but also kind of irritating that that ended up getting uh, taken away. And so that was another driver that took me toward Handshake, where you, uh, again, own it like you own Bitcoin. When you own something on the protocol, it's a decentralized protocol and a public blockchain. Nobody, no one person, entity or organization controls that ledger of ownership. It's kind of like a register of deeds, but there is no city or council that's controlling that register. It's just, it's operated on miners, which are uh, specialized computers that anyone can set up in their home and run to chip in computational power to the network. And so there are thousands of redundant copies of this ledger. And so there's no way for somebody to go in and unilaterally make an edit to that. Once you own something, you own it and the entire network knows that you own it. And unless you sign it with your account, you you know you transfer the name or this the network can verify that that you have transferred that ownership. You own that regardless of of what anybody else thinks about it. And I think that that has a lot of valuable application when it comes to things like journalism, for example, or. Um, research that other that uh, we've seen some websites being taken down by by the government or other entities. And so I suspect that that is going to become a much more crucial part of society if that trend continues. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that it it, it certainly 
invites the conversation, you know, to, to handshake domains, because what I didn't, you know, I did an interview with Mike Carson and Steve Webb, uh, not too long ago, just about just handshake and kind of got up to speed, but really didn't hit the ground running until roughly about a week and a half or so ago. When I realized I was like, Oh yeah, it's February. I think my name is probably coming up (laughs) Um, to be real. I'm like, man, I need to get it together. So Interesting enough, I got set up on namebase.io, went out, created my account, and then figured out, uh, I saw that there were two options in terms of funding the account, which is BTC or Bitcoin, and then USD, but USD was grayed out. And so I was like, well, I'm not into Bitcoin, so I don't know how I'm going to get this thing funded. Uh, Matter of 24 hours, was told, hey, the account's approved for USD, great get it approved. And it was kind of like off to the races, but it was, it was off to the races of riding a new bicycle for the first time. And so, you know, it was a bit of a wobbly, a wobbly experience for me from a, a from a certain lens of leg being a legacy domain investor. I say that because what's interesting is that while handshake domains does sound complicated to the person that is not involved in tech, it is actually pretty easy to get involved and get involved in the community and be able to, you know, make sense of the handshake uh, use cases, whether it's redirects, D-links, what else? I think you said uh, setting up websites on uh, Handshake and WordPress, and I believe you can also with uh, Heroku, what else, Skynet. I mean, there's just really, really many, many developments that are occurring. Now, one thing that I want to go back to that you mentioned is Obviously, you can use a handshake domain really as a website as you currently use it in terms of the legacy system and in terms of like going to an alvinbrown.com, I could use .alvinbrown, or I could just use alvinbrown forward slash. Obviously, I'm going to need something like NextDNS, a resolver of some sort. But that being said, you could either use this as a primary residence for a website, or you could talk about you know coming becoming a registry. And so with your use case of, uh, I believe, .gen, like, how did you make that delineation of whether or not you were going to use, you know, gen for just a, a website or, you know, ultimately becoming a registry? Like, what was your decision process in terms of thinking that through? Yeah, it was really just copying the the existing model. Um, I mean, to me, it seems like the most obvious use case is to find names that you would be able to issue second level domains for, because then you have uh, a practically infinite, uh, infinitely scalable asset. I mean, it's like owning an apartment complex in the matrix where there's no set limit of rooms and, and you can, you know, just there's, there's no cost for scaling. So if you find a word with good history and good context, then that's a, that's a good term to set up. Again, I, I was just filling in the, the blanks. It's almost like the the periodic table of elements. You know, they the, uh, when those initially set up mathematically, they they realize that hey, there, there's some mis- some elements missing here that should exist. Um, and so I think Handshake really gives us the opportunity to go in and fill in those blanks in terms of what's missing from the ICANN world. So uh, again, using uh-huh. the example of the you know dot beer dot wine dot vodka, I knew that dot gin dot rum dot tequila should uh, should exist. I won dot gin. Some other people won the other ones. Again, distributing the critical infrastructure, um, and I also knew that you know gin has a a four hundred year plus. Uh, history is an industry, and many brands have been experimenting with things like near-field communication, uh, where you can you know tap your phone against a, a bottle. 
uh, and it will launch a, a website or or something else. And you can also, uh, there's also a few brands that are experimenting with AR or augmented reality labels where, you know, you hover your phone over the, the label and it will animate or, or do do something fun. And so that told me that, you know, while it's an old industry, they're also looking ahead, they're early adopters of technology. And, and so it seemed like a blockchain domain on .gen would be perfect. Huh, that's interesting because of the fact that, so you, your registry, now I guess, do you operate the same as a registry? Like, do you, do you have uh, the ability to block or withhold, you know, premium listing domains? Like, talk about that a little bit. To an extent, yes. So Namebase was early on setting up partnerships with legacy registrars like 101 Domain and Circa.com and Gateway.io, which is notable because other decentralized domain platforms like uh, Unstoppable Domains, which is on the Ethereum network, and some other previous alt-root projects um, have never hit that milestone. And, and that was actually uh, something that Namebase accomplished before we even had email, which is also super exciting to me. So uh, they currently have custody of the name. Um, so in, in this case, at least with how the registry or registrar program is currently set up, the registrars have custody of my name and are able to issue those. I was able to set up some premium names. So for example, if you wanted to buy aviation.gin or you know, like Beefeater, Tancray, Bombay, any of the other premium gin brands, those are all much more expensive than a standard registration. I didn't want everything to have a flat rate because then you get a land rush and that can compromise the integrity and quality of the name itself, mm. being that in, in the context of .gin, every single uh, second level domain can assume be assumed to be a brand. And so um, I didn't want them to be the most affordable possible name because of that. And so the the base rate, I believe I set it around 225, 250. There may be a markup on, you know, depending on which registrar you go through. And we have had a, a few sales of that, which I'm excited about. Again, being that it's so early, I, I honestly wasn't expecting that to happen and was okay with that not happening for you know some time because I wanted to, to maintain the ability for brands to really register that and discourage somebody from just squatting on all of the names. Ah, now you mentioned the, the price, so is that in USD or? Yeah, this is a, a, another thing that, that I think is really exciting about these names. Uh, and actually, let me back up. I realized I didn't answer one of your questions. I do not currently have the ability to revoke any names or, or to censor them. Um, or at least not that I am aware of. Uh, and if I did, that's not something that I would do anyway, because I believe that it that contradicts the entire premise of, of the, the project, really. Right. Um, yeah. So the, the second level domains, um, so something left of the dot of dot gin or any other name that, that you may have, um, if you're currently in the uh, registrar program, uh, is denominated in USD. So you can go to 101 domain uh, in circa.com or gateway.io and buy handshake second level domains right alongside a .com second level domain. So you can use a credit card, you'd sign up for it just the way you would any other name. And, and that brings me to one of the more exciting things I think about the project, which is that while the top level domains were issued over the course of the last year, and I, I know a lot of people may think, oh, well, you know, some of the, the best names have been have been taken already and, uh, you know, I'm too late. I missed out on this project. I don't believe that's the case at all, because much like with dot com, the registry in the case of Verisign for dot com does not actually capture the full extent of the value 
that they create, nor should they. So for example, each registration for a .com is what, approximately $10 and it depends where you go, if it's wholesale right. or not, et cetera. But then, you know, people like Michael Saylor and others have sold .coms for 30 million or, you know, several hundred thousand. And so obviously Verisign's not getting you know, a cut of that, they're not capturing that value. And so I, I think that the majority of the value of the top level domains are actually going to be in the secondary market, especially with places like gateway.io that's currently focusing exclusively on handshake second level domains. So you can go there, every name that you see there is a, a handshake second level domain and you can use a credit card. So really to get exposure to these handshake names and to acquire valuable names, you don't actually have to have any cryptocurrency at all, have any technical understanding. Again, you can just play with context, see something that you believe to be valuable or that you may want to develop a WordPress site or other site on yourself. Go there, buy those or you know, hang on to them for a while and resell them in a secondary market, but it's kind of like a, a hard reset of the, the namespace itself. You know, I, when dot coms and other domains were first issued, like, you know, I was in grade school, I was a kid, like there's no way that I would have done that similarly with, um, <laughs> with, with some of, you know, like when, when uh, Bitcoin first came out, I was a, I was a senior in high school. And it, like when I was first going into college, like I didn't have really the understanding or the the budget at the time to really get involved in that. And so I think I was, you know, I was too young for to really capture the value of, of either of those or understand the opportunity, um, which is why I'm excited about this go around because it's, it's, you know, both of them fused into one. And I feel like I'm in a great place to do that. No, that's awesome. And so before we get to the auction, or at least talking about the auction and how to get involved and how to get started and all that. So in terms of this registry, business. So let's just say in my case with Dot Senior Care, I could go out, um, I already have the name, it's already there uh, within my account. And so what are the next steps? Am I going to a namebase.io or am I going to a gateway.io? Kind of what's that next step in terms of becoming a registry? Yeah. And the uh, the homepage of Namebase, there's a Google form that you can fill out to apply to the, the program to um, join the, the registrar program, which would make you an official registry in that you would be able to issue names on registrars, which uh, in this case are still kind of a walled garden in that you, you know, you have to uh, apply via Namebase, you have to be accepted, uh, or there has to be availability for that. Uh, and then you work with them to uh, get those on each of the the registrars that are currently partnered with them and you can start setting your your pricing for you know standard what the renewal is what the premiums are premium names and what those costs are that kind of thing personally I, I again I I don't like setting too many premium names aside unless they're brand names or other you know trademark that kind of thing only because uh, I think that it detracts from the treasure hunt that is most of the fun in domaining mm -hmm. and again delivering that asymmetrical value to your your body Buyers is how you're going to succeed as a registry. I think that that's really a best practice that that's important for many people to understand. Like, yes, there are some really, really high level, you know, high ticket price for some of the second level domains that are selling, but trying to do that straight from, from the registrar um, is just a non-starter in my opinion. Like you should be focused on economy of scale and setting a reasonable rate so that you can have that recurring revenue regardless of who the owner is or what the resale value is. And, and as a as a registry, that's going to be your best bet. But yeah, so right now that that's the the process for setting that up is applying through Namebase. And in the future, I 
envision that there will be a decentralized uh, registrar where anybody can plug their top level domain in um, and basically grant access to uh, what I imagine will be a system, a decentralized exchange of sorts that is operated by a DAO or a decentralized autonomous organization. So, um, you know, multiple people within the, the the space will have control over it. So no one, no one single person or entity will have control over it. And anybody will be able to sell any of their second level domains for any price. That is awesome. And so and to, to back up, so I know that most people, most listeners are probably saying, okay, Alvin, you you have uh, .senior care, great. You can become a registrar, great. But now let's even just talk about how to even get started in terms of just the handshake community, in terms of, you know, just being able to secure a string. Like, let's talk a bit about that process and what and what it's like. And so obviously one thing that I want to say before, you know, jumping into additional questions, name namebase.io has done a tremendous job um, in terms of just the the onboarding, the videos. Uh, and making it all make sense for even a newcomer like myself just to be able to grasp and to pick up. Now, one of the things that I will say is a bit challenging, and I have had my bumps and bruises, and I've licked my wounds um, of just trying to figure out a strategy of bidding in auction for strings. And so you mentioned earlier, not all the strings are released, but even so, it's not really, it, the, the auctions don't necessarily work in the same as they do with the legacy auction. Actually, it seems like uh, it's more of an elongated process of time. And so if I find a string that, you know, I just said, hey, if I was looking at something like DN Dallas, so .DN Dallas, I could go to name uh, Namebase, go to domain search, put in DN Dallas, figure out, hey, that thing hasn't started an auction. Like walk me from there at what's going to happen um, and how do I get involved or rather, yeah, how do I get involved in terms of trying to bid on that and actually win it? Absolutely. So we'll start um, pretty much from from inception here. First, obviously, in order to to bid on any sort of um, top level domain or a string, as you meant, uh, referred to them as, you're going to need Handshake. Um, and so to do that, you can either go through namebase.io, which is uh, what I've personally done, especially coming from um, you know zero cryptocurrency and a you know fairly moderate level of uh, domain experience. They are kind of like Coinbase and GoDaddy mashed into one. Right. However, they are a, a custodial exchange, which is what each of those are, and that may not be desirable to everyone. So, if you're, you know, if you're particularly concerned about that, or if you are more technically proficient, you can also use Bob Wallet, which is the custodial solution where you can trade Bitcoin into that and then uh, interact with the protocol directly. Um, in that case, you would need when you bid, you'll need to reveal your own bid, which I'll get to in a second here. Whereas Namebase does that automatically for you. Um, and you're also able to set your own custom transaction fees. So that, uh, that means that your bid will go in more or less faster than, than some potentially. But I, I don't think that that necessarily gives them a massive competitive advantage. It would definitely be more so along the lines of whether or not you prefer a custodial solution or not. In this case, I've built a good relationship with the folks at Namebase and I 
I'm comfortable with the, the custodial solution for how easy they make everything. So if you're just getting started in all of that, I would definitely recommend going to namebase.io to, as you did, um, especially if you're stateside, use the uh, USD on-ramp so that you're able to, to hook up your you know checking or savings account and buy Handshake directly with USD. That, that's been incredibly easy to do. And I was grateful to be part of the the early on-ramp for that. So from there, you, let's say you, you, know, you throw a couple hundred bucks in, you have some, some handshake, you find the name, as you mentioned. What you're going to want to do is first really consider if this is a name that you're excited about. If, you know, is this something that you're personally going to use? Is it something that you're going to want to set up second level domains on? You know, is this uh, going to be a gift for somebody? Really figure out what what the use is. What does the future of that name look like to you? And how excited are you by it? Because the more excited you are by that name, and the the more it fills you with this you know, possibility and wonder, the better you're going to be able to develop that and really share that excitement with other people. The reason I say that is getting your initial bid correct um, is one of the most important things in in my opinion. Because if you you know, if you bid everything on a name, which in the case of .gin, I bid my entire wallet at the time, my entire balance <laughs> that I had to win that. Um, because I, I I also had some painful experiences where, you know, like uh, I, I bid something on a name or like, uh, let's say I opened up a, an auction at one H&S to like a couple of cents and I wanted to see how things went. And then I ended up putting a slightly, you know, higher bid in, maybe a couple hundred HNS. And then somebody came in and like sniped it at the last second or something. And I had more left. I could have done more. And, and I realized <laughs> after the fact, like, oh man, I'm gonna really regret that. That, you know, that's really awful. Um, and so I didn't, you know, think about like, are you going to regret not having this name? Like, how long is that gonna haunt you? Cause th there's a couple of names, like I'll, I'll see industries or something on a billboard and like, oh man, that one slipped away. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like .hvac and .cairo are two that come to mind for me personally. But anyway, so figure out what it what it means to you and bid accordingly. I would also recommend not using round numbers. Um, I actually recently lost an auction because I bid uh, 500 HNS and somebody bid 512. And, and the human tendency in psychology is to use round numbers. And some of the smarter namers will recognize that and will put in completely arbitrary numbers to kind of counter against that. Or if somebody's adding a blind on, like you, you could have, you know, a very small bid with a big blind and someone will call your bluff. It's kind of like poker. <laughs> and, and so, or uh, in some cases, like if you look at the dot gen auction, um, somebody bid, uh, there was a zero HNS bid and a 2000 blind. And then somebody else, you know, thought that that may have been a real bid because it was a valuable name and they put in, you know, 2000 something and I ended up bidding 3000 something. So really by their bluff, they set a new floor for that auction and, and really raised the price of the whole thing. So th these are all things that can happen within the auction. And I think uh, a way to, to kind of cut through that complexity and ambiguity is to just bid your true bid ideally a larger amount focusing on quality rather than quantity. You don't need a thousand names to be successful. You need one name that you're excited about and that you can convey that to other people and, and provide value from. Like if you can build value in one name, you've made it. Like imagine owning .com and building that kind of value. You're probably not going to have that kind of market dominance in this because where top level domains are plentiful, uh, exact match and context is what is scarce. And so, you know, like what community are you involved in that you want to contribute to that you can rally around? Like if you think about, you know, dot club, 
people are rallying around that extension because it's a community and you can do the exact same thing here. So put in your, your top bid as early as possible or uh, if you wanna see how things go, uh, I personally, don't go anything beyond like the last 30 blocks like 30 blocks is kind of the the minimum amount of time left that that i'll put something in or the like the last second for me to make sure that it, that it's mined in time by the network if you put it in at the very last second sometimes the bid just doesn't get processed in time um, and i've had that happen too that can be equally as heartbreaking as underbidding so <laughs> you know put in your true bid make it a, a random number uh, and do it either as early as possible or, you know, 30 blocks or maybe even a day before the auction ends. And I think more often than not, you'll find that you'll have success with that. And it's interesting that you say that because the one thing that I did learn throughout all of this is time and timing. And so you mentioned with .gen that you you pretty much locked up all your HNS on this one name. And so there's where, you know, things quite differ, obviously, in terms of domain investors are quite obviously used to building portfolios. So it's about the the quality of the name, but to a certain extent for most domain investors, you know, they're going to have a couple of hundred, um, if not a couple of thousand names within their portfolio portfolio. And that's not necessarily uh, what the Handshake community really wants to actually bring over it into the Handshake auctions. It's really um, about the the usability, or rather that's what I've gathered from just, you know, having been included here within the last, like I said, 10 to 14 days into the community is it's really about the usability. It's not about, hey, coming in, winning all these different streams and uh, simply just kind of sitting on them. Um, in hopes of selling them. It's like, no, there, there is a, a play on usage, um, even so much so that uh, there are, I've seen a f- more than a few players gift, you know, these strings to people. And so, and actually you gifted me, um, what was it? The AB emoji or a variation, I guess, of it, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a variant of that. I, I think I saw that one at market or maybe I won the auction of it. I honestly don't recall. And I saw it in your profile and I was like, oh, like he's got to have that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely um, yeah no, and, and, like there, there's there's some names you know um that pe- people are paying hundreds of dollars to gift them to people um with really no no expectation in return but but then people have you know they they're they have a vested interest in it you know like they, they have a a solid handle um and i think you know the the trend so far has been gifting to friends family and influencers yeah the the when namebase issued the the gifting feature that was huge because um, I think it makes name transfers even easier than on the legacy side. Um, and there's a there's a lot of um, advantages, I think, to handshake domains that a lot of the legacy investors are enjoying, like, um, you know, instant transfers. When you register a name, you can immediately put it up for market. Somebody, you know, makes an offer on it and you accept it. There's no such thing as, as like a fake offer. You know, like they, they have to, it has to be collateralized and it has to go through. And so it goes through instantly. You know, the negligible renewal fees every two years instead of every one year for, you know, cents that go to the market and not to you know, an, an individual company or individual. And so I, I think that, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really awesome benefits to Handshake and they're going to continue coming out um, as, as uh, more developments are made. Yeah, and I want to go back to to the the thing about time because one of the lessons that I picked up on that I, I, I mean, I guess I realized it, but didn't realize it 
and like I said, this, and this is where it's different than legacy domain auctions, obviously, because we're we're bidding in the real time and real minutes versus if, you know, like, let's just say I take something like uh, that DN Dallas that I had and it's available. Well, obviously I can bid now, but essentially kind of walk us through the time because it's not that you bid on it and then you know, like a day or so later, you figure out that you win it. I mean, we're talking about sometimes what 15, 20 days that you could be possibly locking up um, HNS for a given stream. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting part of the bidding process as well. So uh, we didn't really touch too much on that yet. Um, so the auctions are a Vickery style auction, which is a bit different than than auctions that most people think of. Um, I think the most common auction format is, you know, the, the price keeps going up, highest bidder wins. Um, in some cases, you can have a, you know, a Dutch auction where the price keeps going lower until somebody accepts the price. And a Vickery style auction is particularly unique and elegant because it's a blind auction. So you don't actually know for certain what each of the bids are. Although because um, we can't have true blinding on a blockchain, a public blockchain because of the transparency, instead um, there are blinds. So you can have you know a, a, an initial bid and then blind it to whatever degree, which I, I touched on a bit earlier here. And that, and that period for people submitting bids is five days. Uh, and then you're right after that, there's a reveal period. So folks that are using Bob Wallet, the custodial, uh, option have to manually review uh, reveal their bids, and importantly, if they don't do that, that HNS is locked up forever. And um, there's been a couple of instances where some folks have lost some pretty significant amounts of money doing that, which is basically free deflation for everybody else. But it's kind of like if somebody lost the keys to their Bitcoin wallet. So that's one of the other things. You know, if you're newer to the handshake space using Namebase, they do that for you automatically, no further action required. And so you don't even have to worry about that being a possibility. But after the five day bidding period, there's the reveal period, which goes on for 10 days. And you're right, you're, the bid amount that you put in, so whatever your skin in the game was, is locked up for basically two weeks. Uh, and that's a really important function because that means that even if somebody does have a ton more handshake than you do, they can't just go around and like vacuum up all of the names because especially for if they're going for some valuable names and they put in some big bids, there's going to be a, that lockup period. And so uh, I actually found, especially in, um, in the earlier days, and I think this is still valid to a degree, is if there's a really competitive auction where, you know, some whales are bidding on, you know, some big amounts on this name, then uh, you know that your probability of winning the auctions in the next week or two is a bit higher because of all of that is locked up. But any blind amount, so whatever cover you added to it to obscure what your what your true bid was, will be returned to you pretty quickly, usually within about the next day or so. And, and so uh, that's another consideration that you need to make is, you know, what what other names are coming up in the near future in the next week or two that you're going to need some of your liquidity in your wallet to to bid on? And so you really have to make a calculated decision <laughs> on what name is most important to me and why. And that really circles back to, to really knowing what is your community, what is your niche, what is your perspective, and doubling down on that. Yeah, because if not, like I said, man, that can be a costly ex um, experience because the other, the, the other side of that is you don't necessarily know when or no one necessarily knows when a given keyword is going to go into auction outside of putting it in auction themselves. 
Right. And I mean, uh, at this point, all possible names that are going to be available are available, but there are still a lot of names, very valuable ones that have yet to be opened. I know this because I, uh, myself and other people in the community have hundreds of names that we haven't opened the auctions for, but we have them on our watch list at Namebase <laughs> uh, or, or in Bob Wallet. And we're watching those and we've seen that nobody has opened those and we're choosing to wait until, uh, you know, an ideal time uh, in this case, when, you know, people think, oh, the first year's over, you know, that uh, all of the good ones are gone. They pay less attention to that. I mean, for, for a while there, especially in the first few months or actually midway through the year over the summer and into fall, when we were gaining a lot more users in the, the space, people were watching, you know, every single name that was coming across. And sometimes somebody would literally upload a dictionary of terms and just mm. bid on like have a bot or a script that bid on all of them and people would read through every single one and you know maybe that they would try to snipe them because most of the time you know with that kind of scale they were only bidding you know a few cents on each one knowing that nobody could possibly you know they're going to have a disproportionate win rate regardless because nobody would be able to bid on all of those so uh, you could kind of pick out some some gems out of those but yeah I think that there's still a lot of really great names probably some of the the best names out there that still haven't been thought of or terms that aren't culturally relevant yet. You know, things that haven't even been invented yet that will have valuable context that are technically available, but uh, they just don't exist yet. And so that there's going to be a lot more opportunity in the space for years to come. Yeah, it's, it, it is interesting. And it's, uh, like I said, I've been just really uh, amazed just by the community itself in terms of gifting, just in terms of the names. Now, I know that probably listeners are sitting here listening and they're like, okay, man, this is this is all good and all great, but I just know that there's some people out there with some questions like, hey, so what actually happens to my USD that I convert to HNS? Like, where does that go? Yeah, I mean, like when, when you convert it into, that's going into the uh, the market, I believe, I'm not sure on the the specifics of that. I think that in this case, that would go into the pool at Namebase for the market. It's basically creating liquidity for other transactions. So if somebody wants to cash out, Namebase is an exchange for that. And so when you convert your USDN, that gets pooled with their pool of handshakes so people can can trade accordingly. But when you bid on a name, like let's say you win a, your name at, at auction, when you uh, when you pay that handshake, that doesn't actually go to Namebase or any other entity. That gets burned by the protocol. So that that handshake is no longer available. Wow. Um, and so and so handshake is um, constantly deflationary, meaning that the the supply every day is going further down. And most of the supply, so there's about a two billion um, initial supply. And about 60 or so percent of that was allocated for free and open source developers. So if you had a GitHub page, I think you had 14 or 15 followers prior to, or as of like February of 2020, um, I, and I don't have the specific date off the top of my head, but essentially you can claim a airdrop for free of, uh, I believe at this point, it's several hundred dollars worth of handshake. Similarly, if you have a .com, um, or another site that's within the top 100,000 sites for uh, as ranked by Alexa, you have that, that domain that is blocked off for you along with an allocation of Handshake. And uh, ICANN, um, the 
entity that regulates the current root zone of the internet that we mentioned before also has a rather significant allocation of Handshake for them as well, along with all of the current top-level domains that are uh, reserved for them. So like, you can't have a .com on Handshake because it already exists. You can't have .facebook or .google because they're obviously within the top 100,000 of Alexa. And that's by design so that this is as retroactively compatible with the existing internet as possible. It's not trying to replace everything as much as it is trying to expand it and make it more equitable for the average person. To that end, you could, if you're not, you know, if you don't want to put in the the effort of hunting for valuable names or you know setting up a website like namesake.domains and and marketing the names and, and going through all of this, you could very well just buy some handshake or even buy some of the second level domains at gateway.io very easily, sit on it, or you know, develop the, the names or sit on the handshake. And because it's needed to update DNS records and because it's constantly burned by the network uh, in auctions, it, it's kind of a no-brainer investment to me personally. That makes a lot of sense because I know that folks are going to be like, all right, wait, where where is the money going and what does it mean to burn HNS during auction? Like, what do these terms mean? So, no, that definitely, uh, you described it well and gave uh, gave great clarity to uh, what it means to burn, as well as where where does the money actually go? Um, now, an interesting thing in terms of speaking of money, um, there have been a few sales uh, that have happened. And so I think what it was like .NFT, and then I, I think I saw Morgan Linton wrote uh, about three hours ago about, I guess, the string journal uh, sold for approximately over over $9,500, something like that. Now, the question that I have there is in terms of selling these strings, if you will, what's the math on that? Does the seller, I guess, is there a certain percentage charged to the seller or does the seller get the full 100% of, of uh, H&S? Yeah, that's an excellent question. That's a, a space that's really heating up right now. You know, not, now that, um, again, we have the first year of issuance of some of the top level domains and like all available combinations are available. People that, you know, have have several of them want to you know, recoup some of their costs by selling a couple of them. You know, and that will help them to, of course, get higher quality names as well, or to at the very least recoup their costs. So currently the the main option for selling names, in my opinion, is the Namebase secondary market. So you can, if you have your name at Namebase, you can um, list that for sale. Uh, Namebase does take a 3% transaction fee from that, and that is calculated um, right in the data. You don't have to do any of the math. You can just type in what you, you know, it'll tell you what you want it for, or what you bought it for, and then you can type in what you want for it as a buy it now price. And it will tell you what you'll actually receive after the 3% fee. Um, so you don't need to do any of that math. And then you can also check off a box for make an offer. So a lot of the names on the marketplace have, I mean, kind of obnoxiously high prices. And that's not to say that somebody actually <laughs> is expecting to receive that price. That's basically a parking page. Like there is some other secondary kind of parking pages. It's a Simpapolis, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, it was created by a community member. And so you can kind of park some of your names there, but with Namebase, most of the time people will, if they want to kind of remove it from their portfolio just for filtering options, they might set up that price because it goes into a separate folder that way for sales. 
But yeah, you can uh, make an offer on that, negotiate back and forth with a potential buyer and include a description within that. And uh, most of the, the sales have been done that way. And each of them are public or, uh, publicly reported both on Namebase. And there's also a Twitter bot that will share that out. I, I'm not recalling the name off the top of my head, but if you follow me at Namesake Mark on Twitter, I retweet some of the top three highest sales of the day pretty frequently. So you can find it that way. But yeah, that, that would be the, the primary way to go about it. Now you mentioned .NFT. Actually, let me back up. The first biggest sale that really got the community excited and I think really kicked that off was um, .xx. Uh, that sold for, I believe, approximately 20-something thousand, 22,000, 28,000, somewhere in there, um, USD worth of Handshake, which I believe was over 100,000 Handshake uh, at the time. And that was done via the market. Wow. Uh, the the name-based market. So they were paid out in Handshake instantly. The transfer took place instantly. .NFT was a unique case. That actually came up in our clubhouse room. And I think you were present for that, if I recall correctly. And that was an exceptionally exciting discovery because that w- was the highest sale after that, which was you know nearly four times that. Uh, it sold for I believe it was 82 or 84,000, if I recall correctly, somewhere in there. But that was done by escrow through Namebase. That was kind of a unique situation because it was um, actually an investor in Namebase or uh, an investor of Namebase that contacted Namebase to set up the escrow transaction. So that was a bit more involved. It's not a formal service that they offer at this time that I'm aware of. And, and I, if I remember correctly, that, that ended up being settled in USDC, which is the you know, USD stablecoin on Ethereum. But I suspect that there will be more independent marketplaces that come up. And in fact, I, I've been speaking with some people and considering setting up kind of a, a blind escrow service where you know the buyer nor the seller know who's the other is, but then I'm able to set up a, an escrow transaction that way for some premium names uh, under the namesake domains brand. So that's something I'm considering doing. And I'm sure that others are looking at that as well, especially because I recently ran a poll on Twitter, I believe out of 40, approximately 40 people, over 56% said that they would rather have one premium premium top level domain than one Bitcoin, which I thought was really interesting. And so wow. I, I think that, that yeah, <laughs> well, and, and again, it's, you were, you were talking about earlier that, you know, many legacy domainers have thousands of names and that's because they, those are singular names that are their single instances right. uh, of a, of a com. When you have senior care, that one name that you had is essentially, uh, you know, like having the largest domain legacy domain portfolio there is already, you know, you would have every, you could have every single state like texas.seniorcare and then have a whole page of that. Or you could have a specific brand for that, like uh, evergreen senior care or something, have a specific brand name. And so, or even cities. Exactly. City, state, like you have so many contexts that you can use within that, that you don't, Honestly, if you focused, if you diverted all of your attention and resources to that one name and built it out and, and Handshake, you know, gets greater browser adoption, so on and so forth, continues growing and into the same utility or more than the current legacy space, you wouldn't need to do anything else. You you could probably do it just on that one name. And uh, But I'm sure that you have more and other interests and, and other names. And so that's why I, I think that, that it really just having even a few names, you know, like three to five even tops on a single site. And you you can very well launch a boutique service, especially if they're all in the same relative niche. 
that makes total sense. And the the thing that that's most interesting about just all of this and all of the space that we find ourselves in is in regards to obviously we're seeing some of these cells. And so the thing that's been interesting to me is watching the change, because I think like I started and it was like dot 12. And so to see it at dot 19. Now, where I'm going with that, obviously, is like in terms of folks using the marketplace, I guess it's it's really we're in a season of really there probably large fluctuations. And what's so interesting about that is the simple fact of coming back around to if you're going to set your price and forget that and kind of walk away like anything can happen. Um, so you could set it at something I think Morgan Linton set his as something like, I want to say 9 million H&S or something. I'm like, dude, nobody's going to buy that, nor is he really trying to sell it at that. But that being said, it's it's kind of one of those things because I've, I've seen certain ones. Um, I picked up one that was like 30 H&S purchased it. And then I had a list of others that I was going to pick up. And then I looked and I'd actually, so I keep a spreadsheet of, of the string, the H and S, whatever that H and S value was and whatever the date is. And then I come back to it. Well, in some cases, those strings had sometimes tripled or even quadrupled in their H and S ask. And I was like, Whoa. And so it like, it made, it made me think like, man, when you see it and you actually have a good plan for it, like, you probably don't want to wait on that. You probably want to, you, you know, you probably want to go ahead and get it if possible. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's there's some really handy tools on the name-based marketplace too to be able to sort through that. Mike within the the uh, name-based community goes by Sky Include. He's on a lot of our clubhouse calls as well. He's the one that, that records those, but he shared out last night that he will set, you know, like the Q, uh, puny code option for nine digits or so counting for the XN dash dash. And then after that, you know, you should have a, a shorter string. And so like, you know, four, you know, five, maybe six characters. And so if you set it at nine or 10 characters as the max length and then set the option for puny code, the odds of you getting like the official emoji are greater because there are multiple emoji versions and that's a that's a whole other kind of conversation in that <laughs> in that uh emoji top level domains like we've had emoji domains before with a dot ws and other codes but emoji top level domains are a completely new asset class that are coming up on a year old um, with the handshake system itself because it's the first place that they've ever been possible and so you can have a, literally just a standalone emoji uh, in my case i own the uh, both of the newspapers and so if you go like use puma browser on ios you can just type in the newspaper emoji forward slash and it'll go to a, a d-link that i set up with a bunch of different crypto news sites and so i i think that it's really fun to be able to use that to set up you know aggregated or curated content for what they represent but um, getting back to the the marketplace bit though there's a ton of opportunity to find um, names by filtering through you know setting a max length of three character and and maybe um, setting the top price at 500 H&S or so, which I think is around $100 right now. And you can find some, you know, some dot three, three letter names for around $100, which is just mind boggling. I mean, like you, you can barely catch some dropped auctions for a, a single dot com for that. And here you're, you're getting an, a three letter extension that, that uh, essentially is expanding on the dot com meme of having a dot three letter. Uh, and in some cases, some of, you know, if you then Google that term, especially Googling it with like uh, .com to see if there's anything with the with that acronym, you can find some really interesting context. Like I think I, I bought one for a few dollars, EYH, 
Uh, and I Googled it and it turns out that the, the SEO for that is squarely for expanding your horizons, um, which from what I can tell so far is an organization that, that helps uh, middle school and high school girls get into science and technology. And I thought that like, that's a really awesome use case. And I'm going to be reaching out to them to you know offer use of the name to issue an unlimited number of sites to girls that want to learn how to develop them. Definitely, because I was able to pick up because uh, it was interesting. I learned about the whole HNS lockup. So I learned my lesson because I had tied up funds and others not realizing that it was going to be a 15, you know, 20 day ordeal. So I had <laughs> locked up HNS on some other strings just to realize, oh, yeah, well, you don't even have enough to actually bid on your own name. And by the way, it took, you know, I think I did it like over a weekend to transfer funds and it obviously got there and I was just like, oh man. And so I said, I'm not even going to bid on it at this point. Now, fortunately for me, it worked out because Christopher Moore actually bid on it and gifted me my name. And so we're still waiting. He's still waiting for it to land in his account, but I'm grateful for that. But I'd already actually made another plan whereby I actually saw AWB, which are my initials. And I wound up purchasing that for 466 HNS, which, you know, I'm like, well, that's actually not bad, especially if we start looking years down the line of we'll look back and go, oh, man, you paid what for that? 466 HNS? That's not bad, especially kind of going back to the emoji domains. Like, wasn't it? I think it may have been you or maybe I saw it in the marketplace. Like some of these things are listed for like 40,000 HNS. Am I or am I? Am I tripping or did I dream that up? <laughs> oh, that, that sounds about right. I mean, I think the, I mean, just most recently off the top of my head, the rainbow emoji, the top bid for that was 25,000 at auction. And I mean, Ooh. secondary secondary is obviously almost always multiples of whatever the auction bid was. I think they ended up getting it for like 16. Honestly, I'm kind of regretting not doing that. I think it came out to like, I don't know, what's that come out to like six thousand dollars something like that but i mean there's rainbow.me the the wallet and and then just the fact that it was one of the last emojis to be released um Mm. over the the course of the first year it's a one of one like some of them have you know like some of the the people emojis have different skin tones and so it's not it's not universal necessarily like you could still set up kind of a, a community under each one but they're effectively a one of six kind of um, NFT. So, uh, or, you know, in the case of globes, like there's three, I think three or four different globes that have different sides of the globe. You know, there's something like 10 or 12 different clock faces, different storm clouds. And so like really finding in an inanimate object emoji, that's a one of one. And that is like the only one of it is pretty rare and so for uh, especially if there there's some kind of cultural connotation or context around that you know like the the game controller went for quite a bit i don't remember off the top of my head exactly but yeah it's not a it's not uncommon for them to go for now anyway for thousands of dollars for for some of those one of one emojis and i think that if you look at a lot of the history for single letters um i don't think there was a single one that went for you know less than upper five figure H and S or or a low six figure in mm. many cases at auction and some of them I believe have started reselling on the secondary market as well and I I think that because of the kind of ambiguity or confusion around some of the emojis and and uncertainty 
of how they would end up playing out. I, I think that the market didn't really recognize the value of those initially, but they are effectively single character domains. And so I think that in the long term, those are going to possibly have even more value than some of the single letter domains because they represent something very specific. They're language agnostic and they are a top level domain on an immutable blockchain. And so like for the newspaper emoji, like I own both the newspaper and the book uh, or a stack of books. And I, I think that those have important context of being on an immutable blockchain, especially with the censorship that we've seen. And again, being language agnostic, I think that there's a lot of utility there for that. So I'm excited to develop those further. But uh, I think that, yeah, th those are, it's going to be interesting to see how those play out. And even some of the alt emoji codes, you know, if it's, it looks like the the same emoji but the you know code is not the one that lives on every single device in the world those may still have tradable value i mean they're still a single character top level domain there's still a finite amount of them um certainly less than 10 and and so i think that uh in the long run those are also going to have some significant tradable value certainly so i mean i'm, I'm looking at you know some of these and i'm like man what in the world it 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 seems like pricing is changing if not on a daily it's certainly changing on a weekly basis oh yeah i mean that that's that's any any developing market you know you're going to have volatility and, and in this case things have really been lining up really well for handshake i mean as much as i don't like seeing the turbulence that we have in, in the world right now or a, a lot of the the events that are happening like the deplatforming of various people and platforms or, or apps that, that have been deplatformed, regardless of whether or not I agree or disagree with them. It's it's the, the precedent, I think, of um, free speech in general and how we culturally are, are handling that. And also the censorship of money, really, you know, like with Robinhood um, ceasing trading in some cases with GameStop and other things like these have all pushed the average person into the awareness of the need for decentralized systems and decentralized infrastructure that don't have critical or central points of failure. And so I, I think that that has certainly piqued people's interest and especially people that are already in the crypto community, domain community have started taking notice that there may be more value here. And then when you compound that with some of the record setting sales that have been shared from, you know, .xx to the, you know, .nft, um, which is the still the highest at least uh, announced. And then today, as you mentioned, journal selling for just shy of $10,000. I think it was like actually just shy of 50,000 HNS if you wanted to note it that way right that, that's going to set a new floor and and so um and i i'm especially excited to see journal having that kind of attention because that that i think um again has a lot of unique value because of the context of what the domain is itself not necessarily just the term and how it could be marketable that way and complete you know a brand but the fact that the domain itself could lend value um, to whomever is journaling or issuing news on that because it can't be taken down. Yeah. When I think about just everything, I'm like, man, it, for, it makes me think of the phrase for such a time as this, that um, handshake domains have come along in just the, like you said, the, I guess you'd say the upheaval and just unrest that we find where one day you're on and I mean we're we're truly living in a in a in a day of the cancel culture. Like Mark's on the day, but he could be canceled the next hour. <laughs> 
Yeah, so like, absolutely. And while that is a, a really valuable component to it, personally speaking, I, I find a lot more valuable in uh, value in the narrative of equity, distributing the equity of of this critical infrastructure to other people, and offering the the opportunity for someone like me, which I, I consider myself to be like fairly uh, uh, average in terms of like my ability to to enter this market. Like I didn't have extensive domain. Um, or crypto knowledge beforehand. You know, I, I wasn't exceptionally wealthy or anything getting into it. I didn't have uh, a lot of those advantages other than like really understanding what it could be and believing in that and, and acting accordingly with what I did have. And I think that that is is my personally my biggest takeaway is, is that it, it opens up a ton of possibility for other people. Um, and also with the the emoji domains, like I think they're just fun, you know, kind of following. Um, I saw somebody re- refer to it as a uh, Elon's razor, uh, which is the the most entertaining outcome is the most likely, and <laughs> and like I that's I, I think a really apt a really apt observation and why I'm long emoji names because they are the most entertaining. Like one of the uh, the big emoji sales, like one of the higher lockups, and I, I won't quote amounts because I don't I don't remember them um, specifically, but it was the the diamond emoji in the late fall of last year. The diamond emoji was one of the top lockups or or bids that we had ever seen. And like a week later or less than a week later, the poop emoji outdid it. And it was like <laughs> I don't know, it was just super entertaining <laughs> and kind of like um ironic that that those would be the two that were you know juxtaposed or compared to to one another and, and ever since then really ever since the those couple and I started tweeting about it I don't I don't know if I had any material impact on the emoji market or not but uh they've definitely been taking off since then yeah I was gonna say I mean I, I I've certainly noticed how well they've been taking off just in terms of perusing the the marketplace for opportunities and whatnot and so in terms of what's next for handshake domains like where do you see things going? Obviously, we had things surface this week in terms of, you know, email, but where do you see things going in terms of, I know that the Puma browser is out there. I know we have resolvers that are out there, but like, will we ever see Chrome, Mozilla, Firefox? Like, will we ever see, you know, Handshake Domains go mainstream or what's the likelihood that they do go mainstream? And, and I'll add in there, how does that also impact ICANN? That is the billion dollar question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> um, He's like, time will I, tell. Time will yeah, tell. It, it, it absolutely will. And probably less time than, than a lot of us think. At least, I, I certainly didn't expect the developments that we've had so far. I mean, like the uh, decentralized link tree with Namebase putting out um, that product and the email or at least proof of concept uh, of an email coming out within the first year, having Puma browser, you know, a, a native uh, mobile native browser for both iOS and Android adopting it. Um, that that's, these are all strong, strong momentum signals to me. And, and I think it, it will be a continuation of that. So I think that we'll see more browsers adopting uh, Handshake uh, or natively resolving that either by, you know, a toggle switch as an option to resolve them or, or just 
it just works out of the box, especially as more of the community starts getting engaged with names. Like as we see more people building on Handshake and a lot more market activity, that will increase attention within the network. That attention will then attract browsers to adopt it so that more people use their uh, them as their primary browser. And then once we get a couple of more browsers using that, and again, more of an ecosystem developing and finding greater pro- uh, product market fit for the names themselves in much the same way that we saw with, you know, dot finance, dot DeFi with Handshake is doing kind of the same thing or finding the same success that dot finance did with um, decentralized finance or DeFi over the, the summer. From there, I think that when we have a good ecosystem of like privacy focused or crypto focused browsers and the crypto and domain community has a a successful ecosystem evolving and and a lot more attention and interest in the space, then there's going to inherently be pressure for the incumbents to uh, recognize that and adopt it. And and so whether or not Chrome and and Mozilla and others will, will adopt that, I honestly don't know, but I think that the best bet of that happening is from a a grassroots uh, organization and development. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think as as we get that, as that momentum continues growing, as people, you know, continue embracing the gifting economy, gifting names to their friends and family and building, you know, fun. And at first it's going to be, it's going to look like a toy, right? That's how a lot of, um, (laughs) how a lot of uh, really big developments start is people just kind of memeing and and having fun with it. And then we, you know, especially with how things, uh, as I mentioned, are are going right now, like there's already footnote, which is like a layer two protocol. There's a rudimentary social network that's already built there. And uh, you know, eventually when we have the email and other things, I foresee having an entire digital infrastructure that could be bootstrapped on the back of a single name. Uh, and I know that you've heard me mention that a few times in, in different clubhouse rooms and things. But if you think about the American internet, it's essentially .com. Like that is effectively the country code for the United States. That's most of our internet is on there. Um, and that's why a lot of the legacy domainers are .com maximalists is because that that is the the default, the de facto name for the consciousness of our of our society. And so once there is, you know, basically infinite number of top level domains, I do think that .com will continue to be kind of the the ultra premium standard for the blue chip Fortune 500 brands, and and we're going to see even more record record breaking sales really to make a statement, right? It's it's a statement piece of, of being able to own that real estate. But I also think that that we're going to be able to have, let's say you take, well, I, I own .htx, for example, for Houston, Texas. So we'll just use that um, as a city. <laughs> oh, man, that's a good one, man. Thank you. So if you think about that, like each resident, theoretically, and it could be Houston, it could be a city in a, in a developing nation, it really doesn't matter. But each each citizen could theoretically be issued a second level domain, um, like alvin.htx. And that could be your website, could also be a wallet for you, a human readable wallet to um, send it and receive handshake or other currencies to and from. You could have, you know, alvin at alvin.htx as your 
email address .htx or just htx itself could be an open forum for the the city itself and so you have this this like city open forum city layer you have private email you have in, instant messaging between different handshake names where you know alvin.htx is your username for that or even you know your your initials that you acquired or whatever other username you might want to use for that um, and so we start getting into a decentralized identity and the interoperability of these names to to really build an entire digital infrastructure for a region based on the, the context of whatever name it has. And in some cases, especially for developing nations, that could give them the opportunity to leapfrog from being un an underdeveloped or developing nation into the new crypto paradigm, bypassing everything, you know, the, the entrenched or centralized system that the Western world has built and adopted so far. And that might actually give them a competitive advantage for doing so because we're so entrenched in our system that it's difficult for us to transition into crypto. So on a, on a much longer time frame, I see these things playing out, especially as different regions in, uh, in the world start to try to censor that. Like there's been various regions that will shut down the internet to cease Bitcoin trading or to cease communications in general in terms of um, civil unrest. And so I think that this would be a really powerful and effective tool to help combat that. I definitely agree. Now, now, what do you see on the front of like, uh, I was about to say NamesCon, Lord have mercy, NamesCon. <laughs> what do you see in terms of ICANN? And so, you know, th there's the argument to be made like, okay, well, what happens if ICANN releases new TLDs that then conflict with Handshake? Is that, is that possible? Yeah, it's certainly possible. Um, that that is also a concern that that many in both communities have name collisions, basically. And I I don't think that that's going to be as much of a problem as many people think. It's kind of like the uh, it reminds me a lot, although it's on the periphery of my memory, frankly, of the like the uh, concern around two thousand, right? Like Y two K, that that kind of thing. What was that? But, oh, like when. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, no, most of my younger listeners like what did he say? Y two what? Yeah, yeah. So for context, a lot of people thought when you know when the clock went to zero zero for the year for a two year format that a lot of uh, ledgers or you know systems would break. And in some cases, there were there were companies that needed to do some significant um, digital overhaul to prevent things from from breaking. So I mean, it's not to minimize the the potential issues or collisions with that, but I don't think that it is an existential catastrophic scenario in, in which they can't coexist. I like I don't I don't think that the namespaces are mutually exclusive. Like unstoppable domains isn't going to pack up shop and be like, "Oh, uh, handshakes here." Like we're not going to do Ethereum domains anymore. And I can certainly isn't going to pack up their, you know, everything that they're doing with the root zone because a couple of decentralized protocols exist uh, and have new top-level domains on them or second-level domains in the case of Unstoppable and others. So I, I do think, uh, and now actually there, there's another one, um, I think it's like Butterfly Protocol. I don't even, I, I'm like vaguely aware of that. Honestly, haven't looked too far into it. But point being, there are and will continue to be a multiverse of namespaces in the same way that there are new blockchains popping up almost every day. Some of them will thrive, some of them will die. Based on Handshake being a, a fork of Bitcoin, being proof of work, and already being very well um, entrenched in the legacy system with partnerships with registrars, interest within both communities uh, and the crypto community, I, I think that it will definitely be one of the protocols that thrives. And I don't believe that 
that name collisions will be the issue that a lot of people make them out to be because there's some really apt parallels to the current mail system. I mean, you can have a one, two, three main street in California and in New York, and there's not a collision with those because the context is totally different. They're in completely different States. And I think that browsers, um, as they evolve into the um, web three paradigm will adapt to that. And uh, actually, if you use uh, Trust Wallet, there's a browser within the wallet itself on Android, at least I was dismayed to find that it's not on iOS. But if you go into the browser on Android for Trust Wallet, on the top right of the URL bar, there's a little symbol for Ethereum. And if you click on that, there's a whole dropdown of different chains that you can search for different addresses on different chains. And Mm. I think that something similar like that Uh, Similar to that will happen with other browsers. Like when you type in a domain name, if there is a collision, then it will ask you, okay, is this the alvin.htx on, you know, Ethereum or Handshake or, you know, the legacy web and and so on. And so, uh, or in some cases, it will just automatically know either based on on your history of searches or Uh. what sites you go to, or just based on the format of the URL itself, it will know, oh, that's not like it's ending in a a forward slash, like that's going to the handshake blockchain or it's ending in .com, that must go to legacy. Like, so I, I think that browsers will help to relay that traffic in much the same way that the post office relays mail to different states with the same address. And it is, yeah, uh, again, ICANN has a vested interest in it. They have a uh, significant holding. I think it's worth several million dollars at this point in Handshake. So really the, the success of Handshake can be beneficial to ICANN. And again, I, I know that some people try to vilify the the centralization of, of ICANN and like equate it to, to central banks, this, that, and the other. Again, I think that both both centralized systems have served a purpose and were um, absolutely necessary and will likely continue to be necessary in many cases for the infrastructure. But uh, now that we have the ability to distribute that equity and distrib- uh, decentralize the infrastructure, I, I believe that, that we do have a responsibility to do so. Now, that's great. That is great. And I mean, you hit some things that that it, it, it's basically, hey, the the Internet gets even smarter, essentially. Um, yeah. Smarter, more intelligent. Uh, it, it takes a bit of predictability coming along, because like you said, if you are visiting a handshake domain, well, based on your history, uh, it should be able to figure out which, you know, which path you're trying to take. Um, and it also makes me think about in terms of, you know, these strings that are just kind of sitting out there awaiting for, you know, a bid to happen or to be purchased or auctioned, whatever, it's likely going to go, my my guess is likely that they're going to be more and more and more handshake domain to come out just because of the simplicity of the process versus the traditional, the legacy path of, well, I got to go raise $185,000 and we don't even know if that string is going to get in or, or we don't even know if that string is available or going to be released. And if it is going to be released, then I got to, you know, go raise funds to do all that. So it's not a one or the other, but a, a both to a certain extent. Absolutely. And, and uh, Handshake, because of that, because of how many, how easy it is to create top level domains and how many domains can then be issued from each top level domain. I mean, like you, you can think again of, of each Handshake name as being its own internet for all intents and purposes, because you can issue a practically infinite number of second level domains, each of which can have uh, an equal number of uh, subdomains. And, and then each 
level of those can can all have a practically infinite number of pages on those. And and so I believe the uh, the approximate cap of of uh, how many handshake names can exist. Uh, before things start getting a little wonky or breaking is, is something like 60 million top level domains. By contrast, we have 2000 in the ICANN system. Even if ICANN started distributing names for free or ENS, the Ethereum name service, like none, uh, I think by the end of 2021, Handshake will very likely have more registered domains than all current name systems combined in terms of top level oh, domains. Wow. Certainly uh, Ethereum name service, uh, ENS and unstoppable domains. I would not be surprised at all if even second level domains issued on all of those handshake by the end of 2021 will, will have surpassed those. Um, as far as page, like individual second level domains within the ICANN space, that's gonna take a bit longer. Obviously there there is a, a non-trivial amount of, of sites um, within that <laughs> you know, tw- 20 years, but still I, th- I think it, I would not be surprised if uh, within the first five years, we surpass all productivity for the last 20 years um, in terms of, of registrations. And so wrapping up, uh, what would be like where what would be your advice or where could people, uh, I guess, start learning about Handshake and just getting involved in terms of community? I know you mentioned uh, you, you've been running um, a couple of clubhouse rooms. And so I'm assuming folks can get involved there, but I guess, are, are there any other, any other resources that come to mind that you just say, Hey, if you're starting out or you're wanting to know more about this, this is where you should go. Right now, uh, I would say learn.namebase.io is one of the the best resources for that. Uh, obviously namesake.domains. I'm going to continue putting out more targeted um, content to condense some of you know all of what we've talked about here today which is quite a lot to uh, to take in i realize but um, i'm working to simplify that and create better content and and uh, talking with people directly on clubhouse um, and i also recently got access to twitter spaces and signed up for soapbox which is another voice first app so I, i'm really embracing as many voice first solutions as possible because it's really helped to kind of prototype ideas see what really resonates with people and then go back and create content around that so i'll be doing that at namesake.domains um, i would also encourage you to follow me at uh, namesake mark on twitter uh, and I, I share a lot of either recent auctions that I've done, tips, tricks, that that kind of thing, um, any uh, industry news or insights, uh, as well as that namesake domains on Twitter. But I, I think if you're if you're getting started, the uh, learn.namebase.io is going to be the the uh, best bet at this point in time because they have a, a great resource of information there. Uh, and actually, there's a community member, learnhns.com, or you're a community member that built that, um, and that's another great resource that has more curated and aggregated content. Well, that's awesome, man. And so with that, we're out of time. So Mark, hey, man, thank you again for joining us today and sharing your entrepreneurial as well as your handshake experience, man. Absolutely. It's been a blast. Thanks so much for having me on, Elvin, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Certainly. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Kickstart Commerce, where we share search marketing and domain name strategies to help grow your business. Please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or Podbean. Last but not least, please visit kickstartcommerce.com to subscribe to the newsletter sharing tips and tricks about the disciplines of digital strategy. Thanks. And that's all for now. 